Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Barber, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey local provider. I also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. I'm Gordon Leppard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Yeah, we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly radio show here on Masters Saturday. Um, you know, what an amazing week here to be on the air. And, uh, you know, we're right here every Saturday, like today, from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can stream stream us there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can uh, also link to all of our podcasts there on yeah. our website if you missed an old show. That seems to be pretty popular with folks out there. Some of our clients tell us they uh, download it and listen to it, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, middle of the week. So. It's an easy way to do it. So just go on our website, moneymd.net. You can also link to us there and ask us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so send us your questions. You can also email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, guys, I think we have an awesome show lined up here today. But first, you know, I mean, just just talking about the Masters, wasn't it cool that Jack had his first hole in one ever? Yeah, that's amazing. In the par three tournament, did, did you see that this week? Well, I mean, I did not see. You were it. Out I, there. I was there. Yeah, I was there, but uh, I heard it. Yeah, you know, you, you know that sound when just the the crowd goes crazy and you hear that roar. Yeah, you know, it literally makes the hair stand up. How many arm. tournaments has he been playing in now? Oh, it's got to be in the yeah. Well, he's 50s. not playing this week. You know, true, I mean, he just played. True, in the, but, but yeah, I mean, he the par threes. I, he's been I don't know. probably forty or fifty rounds. I guess so. I, I and know. to think he's never had a, a hole in one out yeah. there is pretty amazing. You know, considering he won six times. You yeah, know, one in wow. nineteen eighty six was the last time when he was forty six. That's years right. Old. He actually has. He is the oldest master champion. I That's correct. Was watching that back in nineteen eighty six. Remember watching that putt on TV and just went crazy because. Yeah. He was so popular back then, um, you know, one of the most all-time favorites. Yeah, he, he is a class act. Yeah, he really is. You know. No doubt it's going to be a great finish to the tournament here this weekend. And, um, you know, speaking of the Masters, one of our first topics here is uh, t- talking about that. That's right, Masters math. Uh, the cost of a quick trip to Augusta, you know. It's, it's not just as easy as saying, hey, I think I'll go to, to the Masters. You know, there, there's a lot uh a lot surrounding that, so it really is. A big we'll we'll boost talk about the, that. Big boost the economy. The positive side of all that is it, it goes straight into our economy yeah, here locally. Fantastic. Right. So <laughs> yes, we we like yes. that, folks. If you're yeah. coming out of town, sorry, it's expensive, but uh, <laughs> well, it's, welcome, welcome to you. Augusta. That's yeah, right. Appreciate appreciate your help for our local economy here. And then we're going to follow that up with uh, uh, an interesting article here. Um, Fun money should it be for snazzy things for great ex- or for great experiences like a great vacation? Yes, 
It's one of my favorite topics, <laughs> you know. So now this is an Long interesting answer, study. This yes. is actually a study that was done, and it tells you does do material possessions bring you as much happiness mm-hmm. as a great experience? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a little counterintuitive. It's a very interesting study. You want to stick around for that? Very, very eye-opening thing about how to spend your discretionary money. Yeah, and then we're going to uh, end the uh, segment um, for the show. Is uh, you know the stock market and weather, how they're correlated. We haven't talked. About the weather, but it's been a nice, nice week, a little warm. Um, but uh, you know, I remember looking back at the forecast probably about ten days ago, and it said it was going to rain every single day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this article and this, you know, the topic we're going to talk about is how the weather and the stock market are similar. Are they correlated? And uh, it's a pretty interesting study again that we're going to dive into. And um, but we have some other interesting stuff to talk about before that, right? We do. We're going to start off here though with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from uh, the Major League Baseball. So we're kind of on the sports theme here today. And there's a pitcher um, for Los Angeles Dodgers. His name is Clayton Kershaw. And uh, dude is good. I mean, he's left-hander. Just, Bring it. Yeah. yeah, he is all over it. Uh, he made $32 million, or will make $32 million in 2015. So listen to this. He faced wow. about 750 batters last year, and he averaged about four pitches per batter. If you do the math on that, that's $10,871 per Pitch. Her pitch. Wow. Can you fathom that? I think I'd be sitting there going, that I'm is amazing. Pay, you know, I'm getting $10,000 per pitch. That's different. You know, to, this their, is true. to yeah. their credit, at least those guys play like 150 games a year. Yeah, it's, it's they, a they, they play a lot. They right? do play a lot. And it's a wraparound season. It goes all the way, you know, a long time. Yeah. And he's one of the higher paid players. Oh, yeah. But that's just phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it just uh, it blows your mind to think about every pitch is you know, almost eleven yeah. grand. But you cha-ching, think about cha-ching. you think about some of the pro football <laughs> players. I mean, think they only play like twelve games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it gets a little insane with some sports, but it's still that uh, hey, ten thousand, eleven thousand dollars per pitch. Yep. I'm in. Count me in. Probably well, not good to count on that as a retirement plan with your kids, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not many people make it to that level. Well the price no, too though sure. the NFL players. <laughs> Hey, mm-hmm. uh, true. Their, their yeah. uh, average um, career Links, yeah. is only about three or five years. Right, right. So. Yeah, very interesting fact of the week. I like it. All right, and that leads up to our first topic here, and that is Masters Math, the cost of a quick trip to Augusta for Masters. You uh, know, that's right. If, if you're a golf enthusiast, Augusta is like the place. Oh, it's, it's ma- definitely it is, yeah. at oh, the top of it's everybody's. Mecca. It's Mecca uh, for golf, you know, no doubt. It's at the top of everybody's uh, bucket list. But, you know, the Masters Tournament week is probably the most economically impactful single week of each year for our area, period, mm-hmm. you know, hands down. Uh, although there are no reports that state exactly how much in dollars that equates to, there have been estimates based on hotel occupancy rates and, you know, increases in tax revenues that puts the figure well north of $110 million mm, just for that one week. You know, um, Augusta National, they don't release any financial numbers, you know, to kind of help with that. But, you know, the, the study surrounding it um, shows that there's, you know, 100, $110 million plus. Um, and this doesn't come close to factoring in all the cash deals uh, that are made on tickets, housing, tips. And, and a lot more stuff, you know, mm-hmm. that goes along with that. Probably so, not counted in that number. You know, yep. I, I would estimate that, that that figure is pretty conservative. Yep. 
Yeah, and then if you talk about the corporate invasion that we experience each Masters week, oh, I mean, it's amazing. You know, if you drive to one of those local airports, then 30 minutes to an hour away, I mean, you'll notice a parade of private jets coming in and out. I mean, just nonstop bringing in the, the executives and the guests, even for as little as a couple hours to see the best golfers in the world, you know, play probably the greatest course and tournament that we certainly believe in the world. Oh, yes, absolutely. Right yes. in our backyard. It's incredible. I, I love this time of the year. And, you know, if the, the visitors do stay for any length of time, which a lot of them do, they end up spending a good portion of that day, um, you know, at one of the many hospitality houses located near the course. And, you know, the privilege to wine and dine with some of the visiting corporate elite can cost upwards of $1,000 per day per person. And this does not include the access to the tournament in most cases. So, Wow, these are big numbers, and that's that's without, like you said, John, that's without going without through the gate. I know that's it's just, just going through close. the door. That's, that's just close. Just breathing the air. Here that's in right. Augusta. Just just seeing the aura, yeah. you know, is hovering over um, the Augusta National there. All right. So if, if that doesn't include getting into the tournament, let's take a quick look at what it might have cost someone to make a single day golf pilgrimage. Uh, that they may not have any connections or corporate or club, excuse me, club related, you know, connections. It's, it's going to cost them a pretty penny just to make it happen and cross it off their uh, bucket list. So let's start with transportation. Uh, if they live within eight hour drive, hopefully they took advantage of the lower gas prices because <laughs> right now we haven't seen gas prices this low in quite some time. Yeah. You know? So um, I had a former college baseball coach who told me that if I ever came across any tickets, to please you know let him know and, and he'd do everything he could to make it. Well, about six or seven years ago, I was given some tickets. Uh, one evening, I called him up, and he literally jumped in the car uh, that night, later that night, made the drive uh, all the way from uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, and met me at 8 a.m. the next morning. Mm-hmm. Wow. We spent the day at the course, you know, had a great time, uh, and then he had to leave right afterwards to head back. That was a long day, but worth the drive, according to him. It cost him approximately 70 plus dollars in gas, 14 hours driving time, as opposed to roughly $700 plus for mm-hmm. what the round trip airfare might have cost him. You know? Yeah. And then, of course, if somebody wants to stay overnight, I mean, uh, and they didn't have friends or family in the area they could stay with, um, then they got to find a place to lay their head for the night. That, that's right, Steve. That's, a, that's another one. That's probably, you know, uh, a, a good one to touch on here. Lodging. Well, if said pilgrim is staying overnight in, in the comfort of one of our local mini accommodation places, the average right, uh, excuse me, average rate for an overnight stay within 30 minutes of the Augusta National is approximately three hundred dollars, wow. three hundred and ninety dollars. Didn't realize that. per night. Yeah, Remember, this is the average. There. This is just wow. the average. If they want fluffy pillows, you know, twelve hundred count linens <laughs> yeah, and might. a hot, warm breakfast, uh, they could be looking upwards of a thousand dollars or more per Goodness. night. Yeah, I mean, we're talking three ninety for like the day's end or yes, something. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And, and that's, that's the truth there. You know, people, they stay within two hours or more sometimes of driving just back and forth each day. So, you know, lodging can definitely be a big one. And I know, you know, a lot of people rent out their houses to, to corporate um, folks coming in and houses rent out from anywhere from four to 5,000 up to 10, maybe 15,000 per week. I mean, so, uh, wow, these numbers are staggering. That's a whole other show right there. That's right, yeah. That, that is an incredible, uh, incredible venture. Yeah, it is. Housing. It is. 
It is. All right. Well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back with these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break um, about Masters Math, Masters the cost math. of a quick trip to Augusta. That's right. That and the, the economic impact that it has here on Augusta. You know, we said... 110 million plus that it puts into our our local economy again not including the cash deals and everything else mm-hmm. that's going on uh you know and then what it costs someone to actually get here uh then they have to find their lodging you know and then the big question yeah John, you had you had the golden ticket out there right how much is the willy wonker bar golden ticket <laughs> that's a great question. not inexpensive no no not not at all uh and that's something that everybody wants to know where can i find a deal on tickets or badges well the long and short answer is almost nowhere nowhere you know the, the only way anyone gets a deal on a ticket is if they're lucky enough to score one through the electronic lottery system uh that they've put online now and that's literally made it a global Lottery, you know, and so mm-hmm. for locals to get tickets, it's become much, much harder because you know it's it's not just the write-in uh, application process that they used to have; it's literally an online application system that people from all over the globe are participating in. Steve, you know, so it's it's a challenge. Yeah, it really is. So I mean, yeah, when you get back to the cost, I mean, you know, what's it going to cost somebody though to get in the gate, Gordon? That's the question. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 questions about the dollars here of getting in for the day. So. You know, a practice round, a practice round could literally run anywhere from 400 to to $1,000 for just one day, you know. And then you start into the regular tournament days. Uh, Thursdays, tickets, they might go for as much as $1,500, whereas Sunday's championship day um, – Ticket could go for as much as two thousand dollars. So wow. you know it could it could for really one day cost you for just one day. Yeah, now that's... if you really wanted to go, say all four days of the um, you know tournament, that might cost you as much as six grand for the badge. Golly, that's you know that's incredible. Just yeah. just to follow these guys around, uh, you know, golf heaven for four days would cost you about six grand. But some people do it. Yeah. yeah. It, and once you get in, though, you're it's smooth sailing. I mean, the food prices there really haven't changed very much no, um, no. over time. I mean, you can't beat the That's food. I've, I've been getting amazing. Uh, ham and Swiss on rye for 30-plus years. Yeah. And I think the sandwiches yeah. may are maybe like... Dollar seventy five, maybe two bucks or something. Yeah, two fifty. They could charge twenty dollars. Two fifty. Yeah. So that's my favorite. That's. My, oh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. You know, you go in there and you can eat three, four sandwiches in a day, and you know, which I typically do. I, yeah. Because I mean, it's so cheap. You just feel like, hey, I'm gonna pick out. <laughs> you know, from, from pimento cheese to the egg salad sandwiches. And it's all very yeah. good. They yeah. do. It's, it's really a class act on food, isn't it? I mean, it's just amazing. And uh, you know, I, speaking of ticket costs, though, we actually brought some. 
somebody in one time and they bought their own ticket you know as a as the friend of ours mm-hmm. and th- there was somebody who was pretty well off you know and they actually bought their ticket they paid five thousand dollars that was 15 years ago uh-huh. for a one day ticket. i mean for not a one day the whole four the whole day four day day. it was it was five oh, grand you know back then so about, yeah i'm sure it's six or seven grand now yeah well about two years ago um they topped out about ten thousand dollars for the four days. Mm-hmm. Wow! You know, it was it was just a huge year, and it was the perfect storm because you had the NCAA Final Four in Atlanta, mm. and then you had the Masters Week that you know they they butted right up to yeah. each other. So, so you had a lot of corporate stuff going on there, yep. and man, they just made their way down I twenty and made it a a week and a half venture. Wow! You know, wow. so it, that was a huge huge year. Yeah, and yeah. Then, then there's golf. You want to play golf in the area? You're going to pay a ton of money for that. We won't talk about that, but it's you know fifteen hundred dollars or something for a tee time at a local good course. Yeah, absolutely. If if you if you try to book some golf while you're here, you, you're going to pay for the whole tee time for four. Some huge, yeah. huge, huge dollars, fifteen hundred dollars. And, and then you know when you visit, you you've also got, you've got to take something home. Oh yeah, you got to have know? a you got to go shirt. by the golf shop, right? You know, exactly. And so that that's going to cost you a little bit too. But you know, they have some things that you know, um, just the average guy can buy. You know, it ranged from ten dollars to um, shirts. You know, that are going to be a hundred plus. I, I love seeing uh, people walking around that maybe have like. 10 or 15 cups, yeah. the plastic oh, yeah. cups, yeah. and yeah. sometimes they'll be going and pulling them out of the uh, garbage cans because they want that as their souvenir. I kid you not, my uh, my daughter and I, we talked with a gentleman Wednesday who told me that he took 140 cups with him last year. Oh, my okay. goodness. Not sure how you I, I, mean, I couldn't believe it, but just talking with him, you know, that, that was unbelievable. <laughs> he must be selling them online uh, yeah, or something. I have no idea, but he, uh, he obviously <laughs> has something for the Masters. Uh, cups, so you know, taking something home is is definitely, you know, part part of the gig. So, um, so let's say that you know your your day's been a success. There were sightings of golf great legends such as Arnold, Gary, and so many more. Uh, you got to experience the chills that accompany the roar of the gallery because of a long putt that found its way home for a birdie or an eagle. You sat in reverent silence at you know a man corner as one group puts out at 11. Uh, one group takes aim over the water at the par three on number 12, uh, and another group tries to stay out of Ray's Creek. You know uh, on the unforgiving par five that winds down the left side uh, of the fairway and right in front of the 13th green. You make your way past many, many scoreboards, which are all still, you know, changed by hand. Uh, and lastly, you make sure that you have one more sandwich for the road mm-hmm. <laughs> because you just checked out, um, checked off one of the most sought-after sporting events in the world uh, for somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, roughly 500 to $3,500, according to which day uh, you decided to go to. Yeah, that's per day. You know, I mean, yeah. so that could, that's what it could cost you yeah. possibly per day. That's master's Ooh. math. Pretty cool. And facts. we were talking earlier about uh, they used to have a parade back in the sixties or seventies and yeah. gave these badges away. A long time ago, they used to have a parade through Augusta and just give the tickets. Imagine away. if they had that today. Yeah, it'd be yeah. a riot. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, what a great, great, great time uh, of the year. Great yeah. time of that the was year. A fun piece, guys. Yeah. Okay, that leads us up here, though, to our question of the week. All right, back to serious business here. We're going to talk financials, and uh, we get this question occasionally, um, and this uh, uh, question came from a gentleman saying, I'm 61 years old, considering taking the package uh, at Savannah Riverside, um, and, uh, you know, should I take it? 
So good question. Yeah. Steve, well, I, I mean, know you've heard that one once or twice. Uh, we've definitely heard that Several a lot times of times, sure. and you know, it, it obviously depends on each individual's sure. situation. You know, I mean, do you do you have enough in your four hundred one k? What's your pension look like? Is your pension maxed out or not? You know, is your pension only going up two percent a year? Or is it going up five percent a year still? Right. That makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's worth it to to, to lay it another year. Um, so you know, do you have Social Security kicking in at sixty two? Yeah. Mortgage. So, you yeah, know. so you got to do a plan. That's the bottom line. You yeah. have to do a retirement plan. You have to run the numbers, look at inflation, look at all the facts. How much do you need to live off of? And, you know, determine, is it enough? Yeah, you know, one of the key things, a part of the plan is is um, going through that calculation. I sat with a couple this last week, and um, he got laid off from his job, 61 years old. Um, and so he's trying to figure out, does he have to work or not? And and until you do a budget, until you know what your expenses are, you really don't know if your income is going to support it. So, you know, sitting down and doing, making sure you know what your expenses are, because when you get in retirement, you're going to have a fixed income. So you need to know what the utility bills are going to be and food and things like that. Um, so the budget is a part of that plan that you're that you're talking about. And a lot of people exactly. don't have that as they go into it. So that's a critical piece of it. Exactly. And obviously, we can help folks with that. I mean, we have some pretty sophisticated software that, mm-hmm. that does that, takes inflation into account different rates of return, runs 12 different scenarios um, automatically, and uh, we can run lots more, and, and it really does a Monte Carlo-type simulation based on real market history. So, you know, you want to get pretty sophisticated with that. You don't want to guess. I mean, this is really important stuff here, Don't so don't wing it. You know, do yeah. a real retirement plan and figure that out. So, great question, though. All right, and uh, here before the break... Um, Some more Masters Facts? Yeah, Masters Fact. Here we go. So have you guys um, obviously seen Magnolia Lane, right, down on, on the Masters? That's the main entrance yeah. Yeah, that's and awesome, so forth. Um, I don't know if you've recognized it as you go by there. I always drive by there and just look in because it's beautiful. I get a half a second glance, but they now have barriers going down Magnolia Lane. I don't know when they put those in there, but they used to. it used to be just wide open. Just real barriers to keep a yeah. terrorist or somebody from it's, driving It's in the metal poles in the ground. They probably yeah. are electronic and yes, so forth. Come so up someone, and down. Yeah, so I'm not sure when they put those in there, but they've probably been there a couple years. Um, but anyway, the the fact is, is the, uh, the trees that line those beautiful trees. The Magnolia trees. They date back to the 1850s. Wow. That's how old they are. They're huge. They're massive. That's why it's so pretty. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. you know, I actually thought about planting magnolia trees down yeah. my down my driveway both sides and you know and have my own magnolia lane but then i thought little uh, white wow gate. it would take like i'd be dead before they got big enough <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> hundred years you know it'd be good for the great grandkids there you go. maybe yeah I, I heard another f- interesting fact um as i was uh driving around this week and that is eisenhower the tree is yeah, now the tree. down yeah they, 17. have you heard what they have done no they, they took three they took um Samples from the tree. I'm not sure how they did this, but they have three trees, small sprigglings that are growing from that main tree. Oh, and so they're going to produce. You know, they're going to watch those grow, and obviously, it's going to take decades and decades to grow. But they've taken three of those, and they're trying to grow them to something similar to that. Interesting. That is interesting. That's that's the masters for you. They do that everything first class. I was going to say, and if anyone could do it yeah. and make it work, yeah, it's so incredible. Those guys could they'll leave it open, and then ten years from now, all of a sudden, another big tree will appear there, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, that was, <laughs> that was one, of from the, the, <laughs> one of the children <laughs> from the, right. the Eisenhower tree." It's kind of like you know horses. They they try yeah. to make sure that it's in the bloodline. So 
pretty interesting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to believe they'd go that effort. Yeah. Okay, well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. And tune in and stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner. And I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are going to uh, continue our discussion here um, with a new topic, and that is fun money. You know, sh- your your discretionary money, should it be for for new things, material possessions, snazzy things as they would be? Or should it be for a great experience, like a great vacation? Does it surprise you that Steve is talking about vacations Isn't it again? amazing how it always kind of, <laughs> everything kind of gravitates Comes toward to vacation or golf. something? <laughs> well, it's, always, it's always interesting when you find an, a study, an mm-hmm. actual study out there that, that kind of matches your... Your, 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 suppo- paradigm there, right? your paradigm, your supposition <laughs> about life here. In, um, yeah, this is interesting. In a, and about what makes you happy. And that's, in fact, what this is. This is actually a study. It's an article out of Fast Company, Jay Cassano. Um, recent, very recent article here. And, um, you know, they, they look at... They look at what makes you happier. Does material possessions make you happier, or do great experiences make you happy? So let's jump into here. So so let's say you do have some room in your budget to reward yourself with some mad money. I mean, that is great. So the question is, do you buy the latest fancy gizmo like an iPhone or update your bathroom or, you know, I don't know, upgrade your car, or do you take a great vacation or have a great experience? You know, I mean, you don't have infinite money, and you obviously want to spend it on stuff that makes you happy. I mean, after all, we're all in pursuit of happiness. Um, You know, the economists, there are economists who think happiness is the best indicator of the health of a society. Despite the cliche that money can't buy you happiness, we know that money can help make you happier for a while. There's no doubt about that. I mean, after your basic needs are met, though, research shows it doesn't make you happy that much happier, you know, for for long. Um, but one of the biggest questions is how to allocate your money, which is for most of us a, a very limited resource. You know, there's there's the logical assumption that most of us make when we're spending our money that because it's a physical object that will last longer, it will make us happier for a longer time than those one-off experiences like a concert or a great vacation. Um, According to recent research, though, it turns out this assumption is completely wrong. Yeah, this is interesting. One of the enemies of happiness is adaptation, and that's from uh, Dr. Thomas Gilovich. He's a uh, psychology professor at Cornell University. He's been studying the question of money and happiness for about two decades now, so he's got a little bit of experience in that area. And uh, he basically says, you know, you buy things to make you happy, and, and then you feel good about it, but only for a while. And uh, that's because new things are exciting at first, but then you kind of adapt to them. You get used to them. They become a way of life. So you kind of lose the happiness. 
Yeah, and we kind of all know that. You know, material things don't last forever, but question is why to you know what's the difference between that and experiences so rather than buying the latest iphone or new bmw uh gilovich he suggests that you'll get more happiness for spending your money on experiences like going on a scotland golf vacation john <laughs> or, <laughs> there you go. or grand canyon doesn't have to be expensive it Ma- can be something cheap master's trip a master's trip there you go Doing outdoor activities, learning a new skill, traveling to an exotic place. Gilovich, his findings are the synthesis of a psychological studies done by him and others into the Easter, Easterland Paradox, they call it, which found that money buys happiness, but only up to a point. You know, how adaption affects happiness, for instance, was measured in the study that asked people to self-report their happiness with major material or experiential uh, purchases. And initially, their happiness with those purchases was ranked about the same, but over time, people's satisfaction with things that they bought went down, whereas their satisfaction with experiences they spent money on actually went up over time. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, it's counterintuitive that something with like a physical object that you can keep for a long time doesn't keep you happy as long as those one-and-done experiences does. Ironically, the fact that a material thing is ever-present works against it, not for it, making it easier to adapt to it. Um, It fades kind of into the background. You know, it becomes part of your new normal. But while the happiness from material purchases diminish over time, experiences actually become kind of an ingrained part of our identity. Yeah, that's a good point, Steve. And, And he goes further uh, to say, you know, our experiences are a bigger part of ourselves than material goods. You can really like your material stuff. You can even uh, think that part of your identity is connected to those things. But nonetheless, they remain separate from you. I think that's a key point that he said. They, they, they remain separate from you. In contrast, your experiences really are part of you. We are the sum total of our experience, and mm-hmm. I think he made a really, really good point there. Yeah, it's pretty uh, interesting, yeah, because part of who you are. Yeah, one study by Gilovich um, even showed that if people have an experience, they say negatively impacted their happiness, once they've had a chance to talk about it, their assessment of that experience goes up. Um, Gilovich attributes this to the fact that something that might have been stressful or scary in the past might become a funny story to tell at a party or look back on as an in, invaluable character-building experience. Absolutely. I think that's true. Everybody, yeah. everybody can kind of relate to that. That's right. Another reason is that a shared experience connects us to, to more um, than uh, than to people than the consumption will. So you have some experiences and, and you get some joy out of that and funny stories and so forth. You're much more likely to feel connected to someone that you took a vacation with in Europe um, than someone who happens to have, uh, you know, an expensive TV. So, you know, it's the experience piece of the um, of, of the purchase that you're looking at. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He says we consume experiences directly with other people. Um, and after they're done, they're part of the stories that we tell one another. And even if someone wasn't with you when you had a particular experience, you're much more likely to bond over having both hiked the Appalachian Trail or seeing the same show than you are over both owning, you know, the latest iPhone. 
um, you're much less prone to negatively compare your your own experiences to someone else's than you would be with a material purchase. One study conducted by researchers uh, Howell and Hill found that it's easier to to feature compare material goods. You know, how many carrots in your ring? Um, how fast is your laptop CPU? What iPhone do you have? Than it is with experiences. Mm-hmm. And since it's easier to compare, people tend to do that and they're less happy with it. Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't you say it might be safer then to share than compare? Yeah. Yeah, you know? share, share the experiences. I think the share right. part, that might, that might help yep. build on the relationships rather than compare. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times that gets into, that's a good point. you know, his and hers. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, well, you know, and the, and the tendency to keep up with the Joneses, um, to be more pronounced with material goods than uh, purchasing great experiences, he says. You know, it certainly bothers us if we're on a vacation and see people staying in a better hotel or flying first class, but it doesn't produce as much envy as when we're outgunned on material goods. You know, and that just—I think that's I don't true. Know, you know. I think it's true. I see that this really rings true in my life when I think about, you know, experiences. You know, his research has implications for individuals um, who want to maximize their happiness and return on their financial investments. Um, for employers who want to have a happier workforce, um, policymakers who want to, you know, have a, a happier citizenry. <laughs> yeah. Can't say happy that. Happy citizens. That, exactly. Happy citizens. You know, by shifting investments that societies make and the policies they purchase and us individuals, you know, they can steer people to the kinds of experiential pursuits that promote greater happiness, he writes. Um, You know, if society takes their research to heart, it should mean not only a shift in how individuals spend their discretionary income, but also the the place and emphasis on employers giving paid vacations and governments taking care of, you know, nice parks and recreational Mm -hmm. areas. As a society, we... Shouldn't we be making experiences to easier for people to have, he points out. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I really connect with this article because that's kind of always been my philosophy. You know, I've heard, in fact, years ago I heard a great talk from a renowned preacher, John Maxwell, on the 10 things his dad taught him. And one of those was to create warm memories with your kids. And that point always stuck with me, you know. I mean, I, I think a great vacations are, are priceless. I mean, even if they don't cost that much. So the point here is, I mean, don't assume that goals like buying material things, um, buying that new car are, are more valuable than having a great experience like a fun vacation. And fun vacations don't have to be expensive. They can be very economical. Um, I think it's more about doing something different, bringing out your fun side, creating those warm memories that last a lifetime than uh, the few possessions that, you know, they have no no shine left in 20 years. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I thought it was a pretty cool study. That is neat. It's a different way of looking at it. Article. So, all right. Well, that leads up to our break, though. So if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. (laughs) 
WMD Money Doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here. Um, actually, we're going to do the uh, prescription of the week. Yeah, this is a simple one, guys. Um, only buy groceries from a list. So so stick to it. Do your list before you go in there. I know Kathy does a, a great job. She has all the aisles yep. down at Walmart and knows where everything is. But if you can do that, you can lower your grocery bill. Like right now, I'm really hungry. So if I were to go shopping at Sam's, <laughs> that would not be a good thing. It Seriously. would not be pretty. Yeah, I, I was, was going to say that's the reason why Kathy never sends me to grocery store because <laughs> yeah. I don't have a list and I'm almost always hungry. So I would go in there and I would come out with all kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, that's I was right. Say, that's not a good place to improvise. It no, not. it's not. It's, it's not. not. So just, you know, and, and the other thing is, as Dave Ramsey talks about this, is using an envelope. So if you have a budget, you know, you should have a budget for groceries, 500, 600, put cash in there. Once you get through with that, then you're done. You don't spend any more. Eat out of the cupboard. I was going to say, you're, you're exactly. fasting the rest of the month. That's right. Now, hopefully it's yeah. not too far away. <laughs> but having a list is absolutely key. Yeah, even going to Walmart, you want to especially have a list. Don't go in there just picking up things, going to Sam's or someplace like that. I mean, you will come out with hundreds of dollars of stuff oftentimes mm-hmm. if you don't have a list and stick to it. That is one of the huge, it's one of the biggest cost yeah, savings. It really is. Budget savings techniques. Mm-hmm. So great financial uh, prescription of the week. And that leads up here to our last topic, and that is weather versus climate. Um you know, your financial life is kind of like the weather versus the climate, isn't it, John? It is. It really is. This is a... It's a great topic. It is. Uh, you know, is the stock market correlated with the weather? Um, some would say, yes, it is. It goes up, it goes down. People try to forecast it and so forth, and you just can't do it. This this article comes from uh, Dimensional, uh, or DFA, which is the mutual fund company that we use. And the gentleman that wrote it is a vice president at DFA. His name is Jim Parker. And it's interesting, guys. I mean, th- this is a... Um, I, I just found this very fascinating because I see this as we as we talk to folks out there. But do you notice how the TV news bulletins put finance next to the weather report? I mean, you know, in each one of these talking heads, they're pointing to charts. Um, they're looking at intraday events. And, um, you know, stuff is quickly forgotten because it's happened so many times during a day. Meanwhile, the long-term wealth building story gets overlooked. I mean, there's so much noise day-to-day, trying to predict what's going to do best that they don't, they forget about the long-term story here. And, you know, many investors feel that they're not properly informed about the financial world unless they check, you know, daily um, stock prices, sometimes even hourly. They want to know how the Dow's doing or the FTSE uh, index, which is over in, in Europe, or the, the Nikkei, which is the Japanese index. And, you know, you got to look at that and make decisions and so forth. But in most cases, doing that is pretty harmless, but it at least provides, uh, you know, bland conversation starter at uh, in social encounters um, you know just keeping up with the events from day to day but it there's so much noise in there that this long-term perspective people forget about it they're trying to predict these short-term swings yeah it'd be like playing golf and focusing on every bad shot right yeah. I mean you got to look at the big picture that's here, right you know I mean just just focus on the the you know the the overall score and and you know your next shot mm-hmm. I mean not the past shot yeah I mean focusing on the day to day it can encourage us to make terrible decisions that affect our long term interest um, and that's because while we live in the moment I mean what often affects us 
are the you know the gradual changes that occur over many years, not the day to day swings in the stock market. Mm-hmm. So you got to back up, focus on the big picture, stop worrying about all the noise. Yeah. You know, and, and like you said, um, Steve, those day-to-day things, they can shift one way or the other just basically on a dime, you know, and, and that's pretty reflected here, just the way that the market's begun in 2015 mm-hmm. uh, as it reflects the day-to-day news uh, from the from the different headlines. L- listen to a couple of these things. Uh, January 6th, Wall Street and longest losing streak in 13 months. Two days later, January 8th. Wall Street jumps for second day, helped by economic optimism. <laughs> hmm. January 14th, U.S. stocks fall heavily on growth concerns. Then? Yeah, that's right. And then uh, then we switch into looking at China. On January the 20th, there was a headline that said, China seen posting weakest growth in 24 years. And on that same day, same day. another headline says, U.K. stocks gain on China's growth. So you have one headline saying something negative. The other headline is saying something positive. So trying to make decisions on these is um, is not good. I mean, people get their, their emotions up on this. You know, trying to keep up with the market sentiment based on the news headlines is, is challenging. I mean, the, the China uh, GDP story is a great example. Um, you know, there are people that go, come out there and announce that the weakest economic growth numbers in nearly a quarter of a century, and sure enough, it, it was. It turned out to be a very weak um, GDP number from China, but because the result was a fraction higher than when the market had already predicted and priced in, the Asian stocks rallied based on that data. So Just a small percentage. Just very, very teeny tiny. And, and for individual investors and even institutional investors, trying to predict this stuff is impossible. It just is. I mean, the data points that out time and time again. And as always, market um, markets price expectations for events like this in, um, and the outcome varies with um, with what, what has happened in the real world. So it's it's hard enough for professional investors to keep track of all this, never mind a, a layperson. I mean, it is overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, so from, you know, the minute-to-minute market sentiment shifts and reaction to news, I mean, news about the economy, companies, governments, and politics in the wider world, you know, all of that changes minute-to-minute. I mean, prices rise, prices fall in response to this news, which by definition it's unpredictable. So, you know, you gotta you got to stop paying attention to all this noise that's out there. It's just noise. It is it's noise. not real data. <clears throat> that's important. That's right. And to use an analogy, the market news is like the weather. I mean, one day it's sunny, the next day it rains. Uh, one day it's unseasonably warm, uh, the next day it's cool. And the narrower your time frame of reference, the greater the apparent variability. And this article goes on and um, gives a couple graphs. Obviously, we can't show you the graphs on the radio, but one of the graphs shows the monthly percent change in, in, in a stock market index going back to 1994. And there's a whole bunch of lines that are positive, and then there's some lines that are negative. So you look at that, and it doesn't really tell the real story. They then show they graph what those gains have been over 20 years, and for every dollar that you invested, it would have been worth about $4. So if you had invested a hundred thousand, it would have been worth four hundred thousand, and that's with all these negative points in here. And so, getting caught up in these day-to-day headlines, it's a really a it's not a good way of um, being successful. Yeah, for a long-term investor, the most important measure uh, because it takes into account 
cumulative gains. You know, the, the media, by virtue of its publication schedule, must focus on the short term. Uh, they, they need something different to talk about every day, you know, and that's why you see things changing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sometimes even during the same day, like you pointed out earlier, John. Yeah, so these two ways of looking at the market are like the difference between the weather and the climate. The, the former changes constantly day to day, the latter more gradually. So with a long-term investment, it's the climate that you need to think about. It's that long-term perspective. And so is the stock market and the weather correlated? I, I mean, I, probably not. But they, no. they both move up and down every single day. But you got to focus on that long-term picture. Focus on what those picture. long-term results are. Otherwise, you know, you make wrong decisions. So. Yeah. Anyway, that's our uh, that's our segment, and we're going to talk about some masters. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, you definitely got to back up, look at the big picture. Don't don't focus on the noise, the day to day, up and down. So, all right, and back to the masters. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, favorite memory, favorite memory. Uh, got about two gee. minutes here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I you know, I saw Greg Norman fall apart in uh, mm-hmm. on number nine, mm-hmm. um, the year that he was winning by by nine shots or something. He oh, came yeah. in number nine and that backed the ball up off the green, and and we kind of saw that starting to unravel in a mm-hmm. in real fashion on the back nine. It just fell apart. Wow, that was back in the late nineties, and that was uh, that was I wouldn't say it was a favorite memory, but it was yeah. very memorable. Yeah, I'll very put it that memorable. way. Um. I would say one that one of the things that stands out in my mind was uh, the first time I got to sit on uh, the number one tee box, and actually this was the first year that uh, that Bubba won the Masters. Bubba Watson, twenty ten, I think, uh, something like that. Well, yeah, I think, I think so. Something like that. And basically, it was like sitting. Uh, it was almost sitting on the fifty yard line yeah. in the Super Bowl and it was really cool watching to see him pull hit. that big pink uh, driver out and then just crush one. Yeah. Uh, from the left side. Yeah, my my favorite right. memory is um, back in the 70s, my grandmother used to come up from uh, from Florida, and she had a yellow Cadillac. And oh, wow. after it got old, she would go get another <laughs> yellow Cadillac. And so she would pull in, come the Masters Week, and she would give me $5 to wash that yellow Cadillac. And fortunately, you know, we had pollen and so forth, you know, and so <laughs> yeah. it always covered. But um, then I would go out to the Masters with her, and we would sit on number two. That was always our favorite yeah, hole. Yeah, we always five. sit on two green. It's a great scoring hole. It's fun it, to watch them great, get into it. It's a so. terrific green. Yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of number two right in that area, th- there are certain spots, you know, all throughout the um, – course that have those yeah you know those spaces that you can to see every special places yeah special places yeah what a great event so i got a couple great days here left and uh it's gonna be an exciting finish no doubt well this has been this week's edition to money md tune in next saturday from 9 to 10 a.m to hear more prescriptions for your financial health do check us out on our website moneymd.net you can email us your questions. You can link to us there off your website, or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. It's